welcome. You're supposed to say, welcome back. Welcome. Welcome back. So I'm glad you guys came here for DTC. Are you glad that you came for DTC? Are you glad? You know, it came that close to not happening. You know that, right? I mean, it was close. I'm so glad. You didn't have anybody drowned on the river, right? Nobody got lost on the hike? Nobody got sunburned? Is that correct? Maybe not. I think this is a good thing. How many of you, I'm, I'm just curious, this helps me just understand my audience, is how many of you have never heard me teach before? Don't be ashamed, don't be embarrassed, raise it real high if you have never heard me. Okay, that's awesome. That's half of you. I actually, that, that's encouraging to me. I actually left Fort Collins, some of you church, 26 years ago. I left and then to plant a church in Loveland, to plant the Loveland Church, and then I left Loveland 20 years ago, going on 21 years ago to plant this church. So we've been gone from Colorado for over 20 years, and I know probably most of your parents, and I probably remember some of you when you were little, but I don't remember many of you. So this blesses my heart to see this many people and what God's doing. And, he, and I, I think I, I want to share something with you that I was thinking about on the way here that I think it's important for you to understand in um, next year, next spring, I will have been a Christian for 40 years, which is pretty significant. Christian, I, I became a Christian when I was in college. 40 years of being a born-again, Bible-believing Christian with the same group of people, same churches. And you know what? It wasn't that hard to be a Christian for the last 40 years. It, it was not that difficult. I made it difficult at times, that's for sure. But it wasn't that hard to be a Christian in this world for the last 40 years. But that's not going to be true for you guys. I don't think it's going to be true for you guys. I'm getting old. I'm going to, I'm going to be, yeah, I'll, I'll die and you guys are going to still be here. And life is going to get really hard for you guys. I believe that. With all my heart. It will be easy to step back and say, I, I don't want anything. To, I, Christian, what? Jesus? I, I, no, I don't, I don't believe what those guys believe. That's going to be really easy to do. You'll feel that pressure. You're going to feel it in a big way. I believe that's true. That's why this message is important. That's why these messages that you've been listening to are timely. And you've been thinking about eternity. Because life is going to get hard. How do we know that? Because Jesus tells us it's going to get hard. And we see the signs. And it's going to get hard. And we have been talking about this as a church. We did a little three-week mini-series. I think Josh mentioned that. We're talking about the Olivet Discourse out of Mark chapter 13. So, so the disciples, what happened was the disciples were with Jesus on the Temple Mount. And they're coming from the Temple. And the disciples look at Jesus and say, man, check out the Temple. Look at all these magnificent buildings. Look at these huge stones. Some of the stones are 570 tons. Big stones. And the disciples are in awe. And Jesus, look at all this. And Jesus turns to him and says, you see all the stones? Every one of them is going to be thrown down. 
which would have been like saying, you see New York City? The whole thing's coming down, the whole city. They would have been in shock. He says, it's all coming down. And then four of them get enough guts. Oftentimes disciples were chickens. They were afraid to go talk to him. Do, do you think he think we didn't bring enough bread? Oh, is he going to be mad at us? Let's not talk to him. But in this case, four of them had the guts enough to walk up to him and say, we need to know about this. This is, we've we got to figure out what you just said. You said, what? All this, the temple's going to come down? It took 80 years to build it. And they say, tell us when it's going to happen and what will be the sign? That's what they ask him, and that's what we've been covering for three weeks. For the last two weeks at our church, anyway, we talked about the signs. What, what's going to happen? What can we look for? And we'll talk a little bit about that tonight. I know Josh talked about it. Um, but things are going to get bad. We're going to talk about the signs of the end. And tonight I'm not going to talk so much about what the signs are as when. So I heard some of you had questions at the question and answer time of when it's going to happen. So tonight you're going to learn, okay? I'm going to give you the answer. And some of you are going to be really disappointed with my answer. But I'm going to give you Jesus' answer. He answers it. When? We're going to talk about it. Um, but before that, things are going to get bad. And, and Josh mentioned some of the things, uh, uh, false prophets, natural disasters, earthquakes like crazy, and, and famines are going to happen, and celestial disorder, stars are going to fall from the sky. There's going to be crazy signs, just like a woman who is about to give birth. You can just tell it's getting closer, it's getting closer, it's getting closer. She has to have this baby, and nobody argues with the doctor when he says, it's time to push. Nobody says, well, I'm not sure she's ready yet. No, everybody knows. It's time, and we will know it's going to get bad, just like in the days of Noah. And Josh talked a lot about that. We know what the signs will be. They're to help us understand it's time for the, for the earth to give birth. It's time for this to be over. It can't take anymore. If Jesus didn't come back, in fact, the whole world, it says no flesh would survive if Jesus didn't cut these days short. So he's going to come back at the right time. And he gives us signs. But this, this week, today, in this last message of DTC, we're going to look at when. We're going to look at when. And many people have tried to predict the date of Jesus' return. I mean, I could give you countless examples of people saying, it's going to happen in this year, or it's going to happen in this month, or it's going to happen in this week. Or some people even say, here's the day. This day, Jesus is going to return. And every one of them has been what? Wrong. <laughs> They've all been wrong. Here's a classic example. A man named William Miller. He's the founder of a group called the Millerites and the Adventists. There's many churches that were formed out of his teachings. They're still around today. Uh, after studying the Bible for 14 years, Mr. Miller predicted and wrote extensively and taught extensively and traveled and made a pamphlet and everybody believed him, or a lot of people believed him, that the, Jesus was going to return on April 3rd, 1843. He had the proof. He had been reading his Bible and he had charts and graphs. And when you have charts and graphs, you can convince people of a lot of things. He was convincing. People believed him. The followers believed him so much. Some of them, the day before, on April 2nd, went up to the mountains so they could get a jump start on the rapture. No kidding, that really happened. You can read the news articles. 
Some people went to the graveyards and stood on graves of loved ones so they could go up to meet Jesus together. There was a lot of disappointment on April 4th because it didn't happen. (laughs) Yet, let's not quibble about numbers. Mr. Miller came up with a new date, okay? (laughs) Uh, I, I was wrong in my calculations. March 21st, 1844 is the true date, and people believed him, and he was wrong again. This guy was undeterred. He came up with the third date, October 22nd, 1844. Not only did he miss the days, men and women, he missed the point of why Jesus gives us the signs. Here's the point he missed. Jesus told us to be ready no matter when he comes. He didn't give us the signs so we could make nice charts and graphs and try to figure it all out. He gave us the signs so that we'd be ready for the birth He gives us the birth pangs so that we're ready, so that we have our bags packed and we know the route to the hospital. We're ready. God wants us to be ready. You're going to need to be ready because life is going to get hard for Christians on this planet, unlike it ever has before. I believe that. I'm not trying to scare you, and maybe I'm wrong. I'm not guessing dates, by the way. I'm just saying Jesus said life is going to get hard. Paul told Timothy there will be terrible times in the end times. People will put Christians to death and put them in jail and beat them. And some people will think they're doing God a favor by killing you. That's yet to come. That's coming. And I think the signs are pointing to it's closer rather than far apart. It's coming. So let's talk about the end. Let's look at three things Jesus, and that's important, says about the timing of the end. Not what I say, not what Mr. Miller says, not what the experts say. What does Jesus say about the timing of the end? Let's, let's bow our heads one more time. God, we, we need your help here. Lord, help us not make the mistake that it's all about the signs. We just need to focus on the signs and study the signs and guess the date. No, no, no. We need to look for you in the clouds. We need to wake up every morning and say, today's the day. Look, today could be the day. I'm going to trust that today you're coming back today. I'm going to work for you today like this is the day. That's why you give us the signs. I'm going to give my life to you today freshly. You could come back. I want to be ready. I want to be found not sleeping. I want to be found looking for you. Help us. It's so easy to get distracted. So easy to think, oh, we've got a lot of time. I pray that you change our mind on that. Would you help us? Be ready. Be ready for whenever you come. And I believe it's near. So I thank you. Teach us tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Three things about the timing. We're just going to cover the last number of verses in Mark chapter 13. I'll put the verses up here. Here's the first thing uh, that Jesus says about the end times is that we will see signs of the end. Now, Josh talked about that, and some of you probably other pastors talked about that. Uh, we will see it. We're going to see the signs. There, there's things that we'll be able to tell. In fact, I think it'll be obvious. Again, just like a, a woman in labor getting ready to give birth, it's obvious it's getting close. It's getting closer. Oh, it's time. That's the way it's going to be. And Jesus in other places uses that birthing process as an example, as an illustration of what we should expect. We'll pick it up in verse 28 of Mark 13. Jesus says to his disciples, Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know something. You know that summer is near. Whoops, there it is. Sorry. You know that summer is near. 
And it goes on to say, even so, when you see these things happen, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near, right at the door. So this is a picture of a a fig tree that is just getting ready to bust out its blossoms. It's very tender. That's what Jesus is talking about when the twigs get tender like this. Now, what you need to understand is that in Israel, in the Middle East, in in a culture that is mainly agricultural, um, those disciples didn't need to be told this. <laughs> hey, guys, when you see, when it's like this, like the little twig thing is coming out, when, when that thing starts coming out, um, summer is near. You didn't have to tell them that. It was obvious to them. This, this was their world. They knew that. They looked at that and said, oh, summer's near because that comes out in May, April or May. That's when that starts happening in Israel. And then the fruit usually comes out in early summer. So they know the fruit is getting close. It, it's like, I don't know if you guys garden. I like to garden. So I've got tomatoes and I've got squash. I've got zucchinis. And you don't have to tell me when it's getting close for the zucchini to come because Zucchinis are prolific, and I think we should make a law that only allows one zucchini plant per county, right? I think. Your, your zucchini plants. And, and I know when it's going to happen. I know when the tomato plants, because with those plants, anyway, a little yellow flower pops out. And it's obvious. It's like, I think there's going to be a zucchini right there. And you know what? Typically that happens. It's obvious to me. Jesus is saying the signs are obvious. It's like a fig tree. Now, I know some of you have been taught or heard that the, the fig tree can be also a metaphor for Israel, the, the rebirth of Israel. And that's cool, and that might be, except that in the parallel passage in Luke, Jesus says, he says this, I'll go back. He says, uh, now learn a lesson from the fig tree and all trees. That's what Jesus says in Luke. <laughs> so he's just saying it's obvious. You know when the tree has tender, tender leaves that this, this season is coming. We well, no. In fact, I wondered about this. I, I think this could be true. When it, it is really close for Jesus to come back, if we find ourselves asking, do you think it's close, Rich? Do you think, do you think this is it? I think if we ask our, are asking that question, the answer is no, <laughs> not yet. It may be getting closer, but it's not, not here yet. If we have to ask, is she ready to push? <laughs> then she's not, probably. Right? It's obvious. That's what I think Jesus is saying. It will be obvious to us. So we need to be ready until that point. It will be obvious when Jesus is going to come back. It's right at the door. It's right at the door. So he gives us a range kind of like Amazon does. When you order something on Amazon and they say, we're going to be there between 8 a.m. and 9 p.m., you know sometime in there, you don't have to stand by the door all day, but you're kind of looking and you're wondering if that package has been delivered yet. And if, you, and if it's important to you and you, wanna, you don't want to miss it, you want to be there when the Amazon guy gets there. Listen, you don't want to miss when Jesus comes back. You want to be ready. He's given us a range of signs. Here, here's what you can look for. You know I'm going to come back soon. Okay? That's what he's saying. And, and what we don't want to miss is the fact that the signs are pointing somewhere. They're pointing to Jesus. We can get all wrapped up in the signs and forget that we're really supposed to be looking for Jesus. The signs should point us to Jesus. Some people just want to study the signs. There's books, lots of books written just on the signs, and people talk about the signs. It's, it's fine, but really all it is is like, oh, i got to get my eyes up. Here's the sign. i got to look for him. He's coming. Oh, here's the text from Amazon. I better look for it. You know, it's not all about Amazon. It's about what they're bringing, and I'm looking for it. The signs are pointing to Jesus. 
Here's what Jesus continues to say. He says, I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. The signs are pointing to Jesus. And this, this verse here is somewhat uh, challenging. A lot of people, there's tons of stuff when you start studying, a lot of different ideas on what this means because Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. So what does that mean? Well, it could mean one of several things. Okay, it could, does, does it mean that when Jesus said that, that he's talking about the generation of the disciples that are sitting at his feet right now? Before you guys die, before, you, you know, 60 or 70 years goes by, all of this stuff's going to happen. Well, some people would say that's true, and the destruction of the temple was evidence of that. Unfortunately, that, that doesn't hold up because there's a lot of signs that Jesus gave us that haven't taken place even yet today, 2,000 years later. So it could have been that. It could be the gener- this generation could mean this generation where we see the signs start happening from that point. Then we can expect Jesus to come back within that generation, that time frame. And a lot of people want to kick it off in 19, 1948 when Israel became a nation. again. say, that's the time. So within a generation of 1948, that's when he's going to come back. Again, we don't know if that's true or not. I think a better explanation really is the word generation has been, is translated in the Gospels a different way. The same word is used as race, a race or group, a family of people. This race or family of people will not pass away until all these things happen. So I believe is really saying the race or the family of the Jewish people will not pass away until all these things come to pass. And again, that fits right in with the rebirth of Israel in 1948. But there is controversy. There's no doubt about it. The signs are pointing to Jesus. Um, we can get caught up in the signs. So I, can I, is it okay if I show you a, a funny I think it's funny. I laugh at a little movie clip about signs and how we can miss the whole point. Uh, We can ask God for the signs. We can look for the signs, but we can miss the whole point of seeking God. Let's watch this. It's 60 seconds. I like it. Okay, God. You want me to talk to you? Talk back. Tell me what's going on. What should I do? Give me a signal. Please send me a sign. Oh, what's this Joker doing now? Okay. All right. I'll try it your way. All right. Lord, I need a miracle. I'm desperate. I need your help, Lord. Please. Reach into my life. Uh, what the? We can be so focused on the signs that we miss Jesus, and we must not do that. The signs are simply there to point our eyes toward heaven for the return of Christ. So let me ask you a question. Are you focusing on eternal things? Because in the verses here we just read, Jesus said everything's going to pass away except what? My word. Everything's going to pass away. In fact, the signs are going to pass away. Everything. Heaven and earth will pass away. 
all the stars and the sun, it's going to pass away. God's going to recreate it, but it's all going to be gone. And there's only a couple things that we are aware of on this planet right now that you and I interact with that are going to remain. What are those two things? People and God's Word. That's all that's going to remain of, of this planet. God's going to recreate it all. Are we focused on the right thing? Do we have our eyes just on signs and, and whatever else distracts us? Or are we focusing on what's important? That's the question. Are you reading your Bible? Are you talking to people about Jesus? Do you care that people are going to hell? People and God's Word are going to remain. Those are eternal. We need to focus on what's eternal. So, Jesus tells us about the timing of the end that we're going to see it, that it will be obvious. Second thing he tells us is that we won't know the exact time of the end. That, that's the disappointing truth for you that we're hoping I was going to give you a day or an hour. Jesus said no one will know. In fact, only the Father knows the timing. It says this, Jesus says, No one knows about the day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. That is a really interesting verse. That is challenging. I hope that catches you. I hope that bothers you a little bit that Jesus just said, There's some things I don't even know. Does that bother you at all? Does that make you think, What did he just say? Isn't he God? How could he not know? Well, he said it. So we should talk about that. No one knows about the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. How can that be? Well, here's the answer. It's the same way that we see in Philippians. It says that Jesus, when he was on this planet, he was, though being God, he set aside his God characteristics. He set aside his deity and emptied himself and became obedient to death. So there are certain things we know of Jesus, the God-man. He was both God and man, God incarnate, that he chose to give up while he was on this planet. We know that God never gets tired, never sleeps, but Jesus, when he was on this planet, got tired and he slept. We know that God doesn't get the munchies and goes to 7-Eleven and gets some chips at night. Jesus, well, he didn't probably do that either, but he probably got some figs or something at 7-Eleven, and he got hungry and he ate. But he was God. You know what else he chose to give up? Knowledge of his return, the day of his return. He gave that up. He allowed, he submitted. What a beautiful picture of the Trinity. He submitted to the Father. The Father said, I don't want you to know this one. And Jesus said, okay. I choose not to know that. He laid that down. He emptied himself of that knowledge. He didn't even know. So here's what I do know. People that tell me that it's July 22nd, there's people saying that now, I guess. So July 22nd, supposedly Jesus is coming back. Guess what? On that day, I'm going to fill my calendar because he ain't coming back on that day. Because you don't know. You claim you know, then I'm pretty sure Jesus is going to say, nope, nope, wrong on that one. Nobody knows, not even the Son. The focus, listen, the focus of this teaching that Jesus gives us, all of that discourse, the focus is preparation, not calculation. So, sorry for all you engineers that love your spreadsheets and want to figure it out. The focus of the teaching is to help us be prepared, not to calculate. Are you prepared? But again, Christians over and over try to guess the date. Another example, Edgar Wisenant, he's a Baptist pastor. He wrote a book, a fairly famous book, 88 Reasons for the Rapture in 1988. 
Uh, did the rapture happen in 1988? Okay, I'll ask it again, then you respond, because you know the answer. Did the rapture happen in 1988? No, it did not. No, it did not. But the man sold 4.3 million copies. Do the math. Even if he only made a quarter off each one, he became a millionaire off of a book that was a false prophecy. But don't let that stop him because it didn't happen in 1980. So, so he wrote another book. 1989, the final shout, rapture report, 1989. He said it was going to happen in 1989. Did it happen in 1989? No, it didn't. But he sold 30,000 books. And when I read that the first time, I went, oh, good. He only sold 30,000. I went, but he sold 30,000. He was dead wrong the year before. Yet 30,000 people bought his book the second year. What are we thinking? We're desperate somehow to focus on the timing and the signs as opposed to looking for Jesus and being ready. I've got a new book idea if Edgar was still alive for him. Here's my book idea for him. Edgar, you should write a book called How I Got Rich by Not Reading the Bible. Because he obviously doesn't read Mark 13. Jesus said no one knows. Not even the son. How is Edgar going to know if Jesus doesn't know? So only the father knows the timing. But we do know that the second coming is going to come suddenly. It's going to come suddenly, Jesus tells us, and he says, be on your guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. And, and look at the words. Jesus seems like he's sounding the alarm. It sounds kind of urgent. It, it's like there's no time to waste. Like, wake up, world. Wake up, disciples. Be on guard. Be alert. In fact, what we learn from this verse is that the second coming, Jesus coming back, is what we call imminent. It could happen at any moment. It could happen before I get done with this teaching. It could happen at any moment. We believe that. I believe that. So because of that, because of this, I need to be alert. I need to be attentive. I need to be vigilant. I need to be ready, and so do you. Are you ready? Why don't we wake up every day? Why don't I wake up every day and say, Lord, today could be the day. Come back today, Lord. I'm going to trust you that you're going to come back today. Wouldn't that be glorious? But we don't, and I don't. (laughs) And I get distracted. What happens when we understand that he's coming back suddenly is that it puts the fear of God in us and keeps us busy, on task, doing what he told us to do. It really does. And let me tell you a story about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and I'll read the little paragraph to you. Because this really, I think, hits on this issue of what do we do in the meantime as we're waiting for him to come back, because they had good reason to believe that he was coming back quickly at the end of World War II. At the height of World War II, Protestant theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer was imprisoned for taking a stand against Hitler. Yet he continued to urge his fellow believers to resist the Nazi tyranny. So he was from jail telling all his people, keep resisting, keep fighting. And it was causing him trouble while he was in jail. So a group of Christians came to him believing that Hitler was the Antichrist. They asked Bonhoeffer, why do you expose yourself to all this danger? Listen, Jesus is going to return any day, and all your work and all your suffering will be for nothing. Just chill out. Just be quiet. You're getting beat because you're opening your mouth. Just be quiet. Jesus is coming back. And here's what he responded. I love it. He said, if Jesus returns tomorrow... Then tomorrow I'll rest for my labor. But today, I have work to do. 
I must continue the struggle until it's finished. That should be our attitude, men and women. Especially, especially as things get harder for you to be a Christian in this world. When you feel that pressure, you keep working and you double your effort. You double your effort. Let me ask you this question. Are you busy with God's work? Or are you just busy? And I have to ask myself the same question. I can keep busy every day, but am I busy with the things that matter, the things that are going to last? Listen, I don't know the exact time, and neither do you. In the meantime, God wants us to work like Dietrich Bonhoeffer. So there's three things. I told you there's three things that Jesus tells us about the timing. Number one, we'll see it. It'll be like, it'll be obvious. It'll be like a, a tree that's getting ready to bloom. And, and the second thing is, we won't know the exact time. There's only one person that knows it, and that's the Father. We don't know it, but He's going to come suddenly. Here's the third thing, last thing that He tells us about the end, is that we need to be watchful. We need to be looking for it. This is what Jesus says. He's coming back. So He gives us an illustration to help us understand that we need to be watchful till the end. For the end, Mark 13, 34, Jesus said, It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door, Keep watch, buddy. Keep watch. So it's clear from this parable or illustration that Jesus is the master of the house, and we, his his children, the Christians, are the servants who he's given tasks and we're told to keep watch over the kingdom work. He's given us work to do, kingdom work, while we're on this planet. He's, give, he's made us stewards over this planet. and says, you've got work to do. You've got people to talk to. You've got people to love and people to help. And, and he's given us a job to do. Verse 35, he says, therefore, therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows or at dawn, if he comes suddenly. There it is. If he comes suddenly, if he surprises you, if he comes when you're not expecting it, do not let him find you sleeping. That's a warning to us. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. God has given us a responsibility. He's given us work to do. He's given us the great commission, my goodness, to tell people the good news about Jesus. Tell lost people the good news about Jesus. In fact, in in the midst of all that we're going through in our world, in our country, I want to tell you something. We don't need a new government. That's not what we need. That's not what the world needs. The world needs Jesus. See, governments don't change hearts. Jesus does. I'm not a better person because I cleaned my life up when I was 21 years old. No, I'm a better person because Christ moved in my heart. and He changed me from the inside out. That's what the world needs. And guess what? Guess who has the message? You do. And I do. And Jesus says, listen, I could come back any time. Don't be sleeping on the job. you got a job to do. No doubt about it. Each one of us. I asked my congregation two weeks ago, I asked him two questions that I learned from Herschel Martindale. He said this that challenged me. If, first question, do you believe that Jesus wants to reach the whole world? 
And since you're in a Christian conference, you have to say yes, yes. Second question, if everybody was doing what you're doing, would the world get reached? If everybody was doing exactly what you're doing, if every Christian, would the world get reached? God has given us a job to do. Don't be caught sleeping. When I was at Iowa State University, I had a job. Really, it was with the Department of Agriculture through Iowa State University. And it was, it was a seed protection program, really what it was. They have these all over the country where in case of a nuclear disaster, they have these fallout shelters filled with all the different kinds of seeds found in the world. So we would grow these plants, and then we'd gather the seeds and dry them out, put them in little jars, and we'd store them. And graduate students would be in charge of all that, but they need a lot of workers, so I did that part-time through my whole college experience. One of the cool things we do is travel to different parts of Iowa. They would rent five-acre plots in order to plant all these different seeds, mainly corn. Iowa's growing a lot of corn and soybeans, and they would gather the different varieties, and they'd store them in these underground bunkers. And, and we would go down on Saturdays. We'd go, get up real early, get on the bus at Iowa State, and we'd drive clear down to the corner of Iowa, and they would have a five-acre plot. And oftentimes, we hand-planted the whole five acres. So there'd be rows marked off, and they'd give us this tube with a lever at the end. We could trigger with our feet, drop a seed, put it in, drop a seed, put it in all the way across the field, then all the way back. And they would do research on these plants, and they would store these seeds. And there would be, you know, 15, 20 of us college students that would do this, and we'd do it all day, and we'd you know, plant this field. We come back later and, and take the weeds out, you know, you know, months later. But anyway, guess what happened when the graduate student, which he often did, would get the bus after he dropped us off, and then he'd go to town. You could see the, the white smoke of the gravel, you know, all the way down. It's what, you know, it's rural Iowa, and you see that car. Away. Guess what happened to those 15 or 20 college students when the boss left? Do you think they worked really hard? Or do you think they headed for the closest shade tree and sat there laughing and drinking their water? They didn't work very hard. And, and here's the deal. It, I had just become a Christian, and I, I believed something that I believe today, that that guy, that graduate student that's making that dust going down the road to town, he's not really my boss. <laughs> my boss is in heaven, and, and he's got really good eyes, and he sees me right now. He sees if I'm working or not. I believe that. So guess what I did? I went out in the field, and I worked by myself oftentimes. And did, they li- did my friends like it? No, they, they didn't like it. They were yelling at me, like, come back here. What are you, you're making us look bad. Get over here. And I didn't give a rip what they said. I'd say, you're not my boss, and that guy's not my boss. God sees me. I'm working. Over the course of the year, they, they got to respect me. But it was like, you know what? God sees everything. I need to work for him. He sees you. You need to work for him. He's coming back. We need to be ready. Are you sleeping or are you working? So we need to watch for the signs to be ready for Jesus. Not for the sign's sake. We look for the signs so that we can look for Jesus. We see the signs so that we can look for Jesus. That's the point of the signs. Jesus. (laughs) It's about Jesus. And Jesus says, last verse, What I say to you, I say to Everyone. What I say to you, I say to everyone. Christian, non-Christian. White, black, pink, yellow, 
doesn't matter. Man, woman, child, doesn't matter. Everyone, Jesus said, what I say to you, I say to everyone on this planet, watch, I'm coming back. Someone says, well, I don't believe in Jesus. That doesn't change the fact that he's real and he's coming back. And you'll find out. It says in Philippians that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's going to happen. That's going to happen to everyone. Watch. We need to watch. But we can watch for the wrong thing. We can think those signs are what we're supposed to see or we can miss the signs. We, we can look at the wrong thing. We can get so distracted. And, and that's my challenge to you as it is to me. What am I watching? What am I looking for? And it reminds me of a funny story that happened in, in a, it was a uh, religious school cafeteria for lunch. And they had, you know, the, the, the table full of food and kids would walk by in, in a line and get their food. And at one of, ahead of one of the tables was a bowl of apples. And a teacher had put a sign on the apples that said, please just take one, God is watching. And at the end of the table was a plate of beautiful chocolate chip cookies. And one of the students evidently had handwritten sign that put it on the cookies and said, take all you want, God's watching the apples. <laughs> what are you watching? What are you watching? Are you watching... Netflix, God says, watch for me. Think about me every day. Wake up, think, look, look for me. Expect me to come back. Are you watching Amazon, Hulu, online gaming? What are you watching? You're watching that girl you have your eye on or that guy or looking at yourself in the mirror, checking yourself out? What are you watching? Watching stock markets, your bank account, your career path? What are you watching? Jesus said, what I say to you, I say to everyone, watch for me. Watch for me. I'm coming back. Don't get caught sleeping. Last question. Are you watching for King Jesus to return? Are you watching something else? You know, he's coming back, and he's coming back soon. Christian, there's only two things that are going to remain that we're aware of on this planet. That is God's Word and people. Are you reading your Bible? Are you sharing the gospel? If you want to reach the world, you've got to be doing those two things for sure. Those two things will remain. Everything else is going to be destroyed. Are you reading your Bible and are you sharing with people about Jesus? If you're an unbeliever, if you don't know Christ tonight, and there may be in a group this size, you may have come here and, and you're not sure 100% that if you die tonight, you'd be in heaven with God. That if Jesus returned and came back, that you would be left behind. Because you don't know for sure if you're going to heaven. You don't know if your sins are forgiven. I suspect that could happen in a group like this. I'm going to give you a chance tonight to pray to receive Christ, to settle it tonight. We don't want you to be left behind. We want you with us. God wants you with Him. That's the most important thing. We need to be watching for Jesus. He's coming back. Would you bow your head as we end this time? Lord, thank you so much for all of what you've accomplished at DTC 2020 in Salt Lake City. Thank you for that, God. Thank you so much for allowing us to read your word and answer the questions. What should we look for? What are the signs? You've answered that. And when will it happen? You've answered that, God. Lord, and I believe that if it's not here tomorrow, it's very near. Your return is very near. Help us be alert. Help us be ready. No matter when you come, that we would be focusing our eyes on you 
waiting for you, busy about our kingdom business. Thank you that though the world is imploding around us and terrible times await us, you're coming back very soon to set everything right. Thank you for that hope that we have. Lord, I pray that you would help us be alert, be attentive, be vigilant, be ready. Help us to read our Bibles and to share Jesus with people. And if there's people here, if you're here tonight and you don't know Christ, just keep your heads bowed. I'm going to talk to you. you. You can know Him. You don't have to wonder anymore. If you're doubting, then settle it. Plant a flag. Today, the 11th of July, 2020. Say yes to Jesus. You, you understand. You've heard the gospel. You know that Jesus came and died for you. Why wouldn't you receive Him? Why wouldn't you take the gift of eternal life? It's the best offer you're ever going to get. Why wouldn't you settle it and quit the doubts? Put the doubts behind you and say, yes, I'm all in. I cling to you, Jesus. I trust you. I turn to you in faith, and I trust you alone for my salvation. Why wouldn't you do that? Why don't you do it right now? In the quietness of your heart, you can pray this. You can say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. God, I've had my doubts. I've heard the gospel, but I'm not 100% sure that I'm going to be with you. And that bothers me. Lord, tonight I'm choosing to put all the doubts behind me and put my faith firmly at the feet of Jesus Christ. I'm going to cling to you, Jesus. Cling to you in faith and say, I'm trusting you for my, my salvation. I'm never going to look back. I'm going to trust you, God, that your, your shed blood on the cross was enough to pay for all my sins and now you offer me eternal life as a free gift. Thank you for dying for me. And I say, yes, right now to you. Come into my life. Forgive me my sins. Thank you, Jesus. Make me new. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for loving me that much. Thank you. Now, if that was your prayer, and that was a prayer of faith that that you've never prayed before, with everyone's heads bowed, I want you to do something for me. I want you to just look up at me. If that's you, I want you to take a step of faith and look at my eyes. Just look at me. Everyone else, keep your heads bowed. I just want to see you. If that was you, now it's a little dark, so would you please just do one other thing? Just lift your hand up if you prayed that prayer for the first time. Lift it up right now so I can see. Don't be ashamed. Lift it up if that was your prayer for the first time tonight. Let me see it. Amen. Amen. Let's continue praying. God, I thank you again for the love that you have for us. You love us so much. Thank you for the, the, the life that you gave us, that you care for us. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're coming back for everyone who's put their faith and trust in you. And I thank you for that, that that's the hope we have. Help us again be your kingdom-minded men and women who think about you and pray for your return. And like the saints of old used to pray, we're going to implore you right now, come, Lord Jesus, come. For it's in your name we pray. God bless you guys.